here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guest hosts or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. smartly on the planet we call home, Gaia, Earth, Sophia, Sophia, you name it. (laughs) But we'll be nice because we are the ace metaphysicians of the world. We are mystics, oracles, psychic stages, seers, shaman, and we deal with cosmology today. Our ACO directors are the ones running the show for the Ascension Cosmos Oracles, our nonprofit in Florida now. And we're international. We have a lot of different things we do. I basically work on websites every day. If you wonder what I'm doing, developing and playing with different groups and associations. And I've got Scott Breen here uh, in Michigan helping us with our Ace Folk Life, getting our brands and everything together. We hopefully can have a better day today with no uh, Richard or Ken going, huh, what? I can't hear you. You're fading. Because we've had that with Mediacom and my phones. But I've got a brand-new phone and a brand-new direct line in from AT&T. So this is sounding a little better, I hope. Guys, you're both on. Uh, Ken's here and Richard's here. Rick Knight, Ken Johnston. I shortened our names because it was easier. So who wants to go first, guys? Doesn't matter to me. Same <laughs> here. I'm with you. I wanted to wait to see if I was still there. <laughs> all right. So let's uh, keep our phones still. We're all old guys. Uh, Ken, uh, let's let Richard go first because you you couldn't remember. So Ken, uh, Richard T. Knight is Rick Knight, and I'm just making it. Our stage names as of today is going to be Ken Johnston with a T, not Johnson. Rick Knight, R-I-C-K-K-N-I-G-H-T, and T.J. Morris. Now, real quickly for the record, for the guys and everybody that knows us, it's Ralph Kennedy Johnston Sr. It is Richard Thomas Knight, with a K, like N-I-G-H-T, and Teresa Jeanette Morris, actually T.J. Thurmond Morris, T-H-U-R-M-O-N-D-M-O-R-R-I-S. 
So Ken, Rick, and TJ today, so thank you all for keeping us on air for nine years and being a part of us. But I've noticed that uh, because I'm going under what today? Let's see, entertainment. So this is going to be Let Us Entertain You Day. We're not under paranormal, and we're not under spirituality. So we're going to kick it around as Allied Command Intergalactic Relations, because Ken said, I like that. He likes ACIR. We are the who's who in our guides for us, U.S., and we're building our Ascension Cosmos Oracles Corp., which is our nonprofit in Florida. And we have the history. My work was in, initially based on art, culture, education, science, technology, folk life, history, world religions, and philosophy. So that gives you a whole bunch of hats. But the literature writer, which is me, and I don't know why it's in all caps, folks, but I just copied it off of Amazon and off of Barnes & Noble. But uh, the literature writer had to become a spiritual scientist and continue Carl Jung's work because besides being the best existent therapy for all mental illnesses and even physical diseases, the unconscious guidance in dreams has a very important religious meaning. The unconscious wisdom helps us eliminate all sins and begin a new life, far from wickedness. I can't believe I wrote that, man, <laughs> five or six years ago. Anyway, my scientific studies simply uh, completed the research I was making through literature and philosophy from the time I learned how to think and started writing my first poems, stories, and philosophical conclusions. But that was back in the day when, I, when Thomas R. Becker and I were doing poems, so that was in 2015. Anyway, my writings were inspired by the unconscious mind, which also gives us artistic talents, and metaphysical over religious and philosophical philosophical inclinations. Besides producing our dreams, science gives us so many explanations about our reality that it's considered as a source that provides us with the best proof we can understand uh, could have about the veracity. Did I write this five years? We're catching up, folks, but we're all meeting again for the first time, like in, I don't know what planets we've been on, but I'm not sure this one. Anyway, let me finish this little piece, because that's what you guys read and call in about. Okay, besides producing our dreams, science gives us so many explanations about our reality that it is considered as a source that provides us with the best proof we could have about the veracity of our conclusions I used to be a lot smarter than I am now. Anyway, you still need religion, philosophy, and art in order to understand your complex reality. So science is not enough, and the multidimensional truth of our universe, multiverse, metaverse, universe, omniverse, alphaverse, and omegaverse, and I, I must have cut and pasted, it says this means that the materialistic mindset of the current civilization doesn't help you understand your reality. So the unconscious mind that produces your dreams is the God you first met in your first religious experiences. Some people still only believe what they were taught in Sunday school and church in America. Ascension of the Ascension Age of 2012 and beyond, of course now it's 2021, but I wrote this back in the day before it was even 2012, is our becoming more for the health and prosperity for all. So we now share sustainability of our planet and species together as one global brain. And now I wrote that long before 2012 and then sort of nursed it along, and this was uh, actually fit today in all caps, guys, 
I don't know how all that fit, but it did today, so I guess it was important. But I did see I cut and pasted some out of it because it was a little long, and that's where it sort of stops. But this is sort of what we're doing. So, uh, Richard, go ahead and give us the long version. So, Ken and everybody, uh, I know a lot of you are new and a lot of you are really old. So, <laughs> we're going to do our best to be the old guys with the ACO directors. And we're three got elected to be the directors. And uh, so, go, Richard. You're the big president. And then we'll put the CEO boss on here. Richard, go for it. All right. Well, uh, where do you want me to start? I mean, just start dialoguing well, on, on everything that you just said? Do what no, else? no. I want you to give your background on who you are first. Let's introduce your, uh, you know, like your story of origin. You know, oh, just, uh, you, know, you know how All you right. used to do well, mining genius in the old days. Sort of give that. And yeah. then Ken can sort of be thinking about how to introduce himself. Well, yeah, but it's my name's based on metaphysics. Yeah, go ahead. Well, my name's Richard Knight. And I'm 65 years years young. I originate from California. Uh, I was had a very unusual inception in the fact being that I stayed connected to source rather than allowing uh, the, the earth itself and all of its vibrations to erase that connection. So as a result, I was very gifted uh, psychically, spiritually, um, in lots of different areas and aspects. I had 14 senses instead of five, and uh, I used them for a very long time until around the age of 40 or so. And then I started backing away from it to a degree simply because I found that a lot of people reacted with fear because they didn't understand uh, what people are capable of doing or actually becoming. Um, our spiritual selves are actually, you know, the greater part of ourselves, and our human existence is a very, very small, minute part of ourselves. But anyway, that's been my perspective all through life. Uh, I've been involved in paranormal investigations, civil criminal investigations. I've worked for the government. Uh, I've done all kinds of uh, in interesting uh, studies into theology, philosophy, uh, metaphysics. Um, I've been, in, been writing since the age of 12. Uh, and I've written books, just have, have yet had have to publish them. Uh, I've been on the radio off and on for about 10 years or more, and uh, that's who I am. I'm a theologian, a philosopher, a magician, uh, a metaphysician, all kinds of different hats. Um, and basically, I know firsthand from having died and come back that, in fact, uh, there is definitely immortal life besides the passage of this physical self. So that's where I'm coming from, um, and uh, that's my perspective. I am very broad-minded. I have studied a great deal. Um, I have been involved in organized religion. I have doctorates in theology, divinity, um, metaphysics, and uh, just overall, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just very well-educated and well-read, and yet at the same time, I remain very open-minded and very sensitive as an empath and a lot of different things from that perspective. That and that's really me. good. 
Yay. All right. You sound really intelligent. I, I think I'd like to know you. <laughs> <laughs> you may make me smart. All right, Ken. I don't know if you can outdo that guy, but, you know, you, you're welcome to try. Uh, give us your best shot of 70, almost 79 years as of October 2nd. <laughs> Did I right. cheat and tell on you? <laughs> no, that's quite all right. Um, I'm <clears throat> Well, first of all, all we've got to do is just add my name on what Richard just went through because that's very close to, to my my story. Um, what I like to be sure people know is that, um, um, well, now in my case, I died after I was born when I was three years old because I was born with a, a cyst over my right eye, and they waited till I got three years old, and the doctor, same doctor that gave birth to me or brought me into this world um, was all set to do to remove the cyst. And he said, my heart stopped beating. I stopped breathing. According to the story my mother and them had, is that he threw all of his operating utensils in here, grabbed me, and started giving mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, which was brand new. They had just learned a month or so before of how to do mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. And he brought me back to life. Well, in, in my case, when you get to the religious side of it, I think it was a test to be sure that I was willing to um, take on the responsibilities of being in life during this particular time, though, because that brings us into okay. This is me. What are you talking about? <laughs> Richard, did you doing... hear him? Or did it break? He was up? fading away a bit for a minute. Oh, really? Oh, I'm so oh. glad it wasn't my phone. Good. Uh, <laughs> I'm checking out new equipment. <laughs> okay, yeah, it was your phone or your fadeaway based on your internet uh, or oh. phone. I, I got new equipment. I don't want them to be fading away today. But uh, that's uh, okay, I, Ken. No. <laughs> yeah, we're, was well, I getting too loud? To, no, you okay. were fading away. It wasn't your voice. It was your equipment. Oh, your mercy. Well, I'm... With strictly with a handheld phone up close to my mouth and my ear, unfortunately my computer and all that stuff is down. Anyway, to to carry on with that, uh, since I'm I was um, when I was three years old. Go back a little bit. Uh, yeah, go back a little bit because you faded. And then uh, I'm going to mute and let Richard tell you if he fades, and then Richard will guide you. Richard, I'm going to mute, but I'm right here. If you need me, but tell okay. me. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Anyway, to, to pick up where I was and go back to getting, and whenever I was uh, three years old, um, well, I was born with a cyst over my left eye, and I still have a, a scar right there in the eyebrows. But uh, the, the same doctor that get help gave me gave me birth with uh, my mother in the hospital. Then they, they decided they were to do a, a an operation and remove the cyst over my left eye, and it's, they used um what they used that they did they used ether instead of um. um it was tough to, to put you put you to sleep. In this case, I went to sleep. My heart stopped beating. I stopped breathing. The doctor, the doctor shoved the uh, utensils and everything aside. Grabbed me, started doing mouth mouth resuscitation. And a little three-year-old boy like me. And later they told me that they had just been taught how to do mouth to mouth resuscitation uh, just a few months before that happened. So anyway, so they restored my. Oh, yeah. Ken, it's still recording muffled. Uh, can we do Maybe something different? Can, can you set your phone down and put it on speaker, or do you have it on speaker? I have it on speaker right now. 
Well, just now you sounded perfect when you said I have you on speaker. It was real loud, but it's been going. So wait a minute, just a minute. I'm going to try something here. Uh, Now you sound great. I don't know what you did different. I was going to disconnect my power to my cell phone and see if that makes any difference. But no, that should be it. Well, maybe I'll talk it to the microphone at the top of of the. um, does that help where I'm at right now? Yeah, you're sounding yeah, real clear that. right now. Oh, okay. Well, then I'll talk directly into the little little things at the top of the cell phone. Anyway, back to it. At three years old, they decided to do the tonsillectomy, and the uh, same doctor that had removed the cyst and uh, brought me back to life, he said I had come to the to uh, closest to stay staying dead on him than anybody had, he had ever had as a um, as a patient. At any rate, um, so my, my position has always been, you know, God better had a plan for me, and I had to stay around it. So I'm, it's been a fascinating life and experiences and a lot, a lot of tragedies and things. And we, if we had a couple of months, I'd be happy to go over it with you. So, but right now, just to go back there, um, once, once I, um, I went off to military school, went to the Oklahoma Military Academy, went up through there, and, and then uh, – um, I wound up going, joining in the Marine Corps. My best friend, <laughs> here I was a captain in ROTC. And my best friend at the academy comes in that one night. He says, well, Ken, I joined the Marine Corps. Now, that, mind you, this was right when we were getting really big in the um, the war over in, in, in you know, Asia. With, um, <laughs> yeah, I can't even think of the name of the place. It was pretty bad back then. At any rate, my position was um, me to – Wow, this happens to me sometimes. Is something else jumps in, and I, I kind of go blank trying to get to where I was. But um, by, oh, becoming a pilot. So I joined the, the Marine Corps, and then I, I had qualified to become a, a, a pilot. So I, I ceased being a, an enlisted, and I went over to Pensacola, Florida, and uh, became a pilot on jets, et cetera. That, and then I got out and went to NASA in Houston, where my brother was, and which is where we. I became one of the civilian astronauts with the Grumman Aerospace Company that was um, taking care of the, the lunar module spacecraft. So I, I have over, oh gosh, over 3,000 some odd hours as a spacecraft pilot, but I never left the planet Earth doing it, but we did them in vacuum chambers and tested everything before we, we had Neil and Buzz and the rest of them to um, you know uh, use the lunar module to land on, on, on the moon. So anyway, that, that gets you there. Then... Um, after we had succeeded in, in those, uh, and I had 20 years in, the government started cutting back uh, contracts and laying tons tons of us off, and I wound up going um, back out to the West Coast and working for um, aerospace companies and finally got enough time in. Now, you, you said you told me how long you were. Well, let's see, I was born in 1942, so I'll let people figure that one out because some of them consider us a little bit old. but. Um, Age, age has a lot to do with what you, you're thinking. Maybe I am getting old because I'm having a little trouble keeping track, and that goes someplace. Oh, it reminds me I could do that, but I have I have this character that's inside my library. You just heard him. He's, just, he's an alien. But anyway, let's see. With that, uh, NASA, and I died, and I came back, and, and now I'm uh, working with uh, some people on becoming one of the the team members to go to um, 
to Mars and um, start our base, our base on Mars. I think that's probably enough information. If you can go and find Ken Johnston with the T J O N S T O N on the internet and uh, send me a message and we'll, we'll take off and go from there as communicating like we've been friends most of our life on the internet. Okay, is that enough would information? Yeah, would you like to sort of mention how you and I met in 1969 back in uh, NASA days when we were going to walk on the moon and stuff? When you were keeping the pictures, you want to talk about that? Oh, well, I can do that, right? One of the the, the jobs and duties that I had over at the Lunar Receiving Laboratory, um, and, and my job there, though, was actually taking the samples that the astronauts brought back from the moon and then get them in the quarantine area so the astronauts the scientists and people could then start studying those. Um, and in my office, it was a data and photo control department, and I think that is where I ran into uh, TJ for the very first time. You know, we, we were considerably younger back then, TJ. We were a lot better looking, I know that. I don't know. How, I was uh, way before my years, or I wouldn't have been able to come and go and have you know clearance and my paperwork and all that. But they chose me right out of a James Bond movie. <laughs> oh, really? So, uh, wow. yeah, Richard Allen Miller told me who it was out of Washington, D.C., and then Strom Thurmond called me when I was, uh, you know, my name Thurmond because – but I was in investigations, and he was doing ancestry work. And then he had his people, his secretary called me and put me on. But I was going to talk to you about that Roswell book, uh, if you had it close by, too, because he was asking me what I knew about UFOs. So I think with between him and uh, J. Allen Hynek and then the, my clearance, and then they had me you know, come back in to uniform after I went out of country – and worked the European Theater, right? And then uh, African Inc. UK. But you weren't involved in all that. You had already left Grumman when I. They brought me back in uh, from uh, uh, ACIR uh, then. So we've got Allied yeah. Command Intergovernment Relations going on now. But uh, did you by chance grab that book uh, the day after yeah. Roswell? You, believe it or not, I have been searching this little library I have here, and I have not located that particular book. I was going to say, one of my books is Ken's Moon, Ken's Moon, and that's a, sort of an autobiography, but it goes through all the background and, and things and events and things we did. And uh, the fact that I was in a position where got, I got the pictures and of things that were taken by the crew on the lunar surface that shows uh, the existence of the little – Little uh, terrestrial things on on the lunar surface. Anyway, that's all in the book. Um, as far as that's where moon, we are, and that's available. Yeah, that's available on Amazon, like mine, Knowing Cosmology. And Richard and I yeah. and you are working on a new book uh, for hopefully this year, uh, or maybe 2022 before your birthday, October 2nd. But uh, okay, well that's okay if you can't find it. We'll do, cover that another day. The main thing is we qualify ourselves this this month because you know it was May 10th was our anniversary of 50 years, and in 2017, and you and me met at the University of Southern Alabama, and there were right. other people in our meeting, and we had uh, but two of the officers have stepped down, and uh, Richard has agreed to take on. Uh, Janet's place. So he is now our director 
for the official ACO beginning in 2021 as of officially today, even though he's been helping me with radio. But today we're claiming our director seats as a uh, nonprofit for Florida, and it's actually Allied Command Intergalactic Relations we're handling ACIR, and we have ACIR radio, but my company is American Communications Online, so I've got ACL Wi-Fi as a direct line in my house and another big phone, but we're going to run all our radios and everything in our future events under Ascension Cosmos Oracles if we do funding for nonprofit. And then all three of us pastors on Sunday have Ascension Center. No, well, we have Ascension Center organization always as the unincorporated association, but it's very confusing with the ACOs. But we have Ascension Church Ohana ACO as well for Sunday shows. But folks, I'll be having them as separate entities in separate domains on the YouTube channels, and then each one of us will run our own free social media with uh, Facebook, Mediacom, I mean, uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, and uh, Twitter are the main ones. And Richard and I are working on Instagram with Gwendolyn uh, Adams Evans because she's more up on her Instagram and has many more followers, so she may show up. And she likes Ken. Ken, she uh, showed up Sunday, but she has to do it. She does so many shows in two or three on Sundays, but she tries to show up an hour on Sunday. So tune back in if you're interested in Gigi Adams. And I've noticed a lot of people of hers on Facebook wanting to join me. So apparently she's out there doing social media work, Ken. So I wanted you to remember Gigi. If you'll write that down on your notes, G-I-G-I. Okay, G-I-G-I space. A D A M S, and she wanted to talk to you and see uh, more about your book. And uh, she is Richard's friend. Richard and her did shows for eight to ten years. Uh, uh, I guess we find them uh, on her. Uh, let uh, was it G Wiz Richard? Uh, just sort of inform everybody a little bit about that history, because so, we're we're nine years with this uh, brand, TJ Marsh. Ichi Radio, but since you're new with it, Richard, let Ken know and everybody in our association around the world, you and Gigi right here, folks, on the same uh, BTR, which is now bought by uh, BoxNest, which is bought by Spreaker and iHeart. iHeart is now the big conglomerate, I-H-E-A-R-T, and Ken, write that down. That's the biggest umbrella under. It's a big, big brand. So Richard started here with us a few years back, nine years or so, uh, running on another channel with Gigi. Do you remember the name of that, Richard, by chance? It was it was still Blog Talk Radio. So well, what was um, the name of the show for your talk? I don't I don't remember now. There's been way too much water under the bridge since then. Um, oh okay. Well, we'll but let anyway, Gigi if, maybe. If, you, you can you can probably go on to Blog Talk and put and do research, you know, search for spiritual shows or spiritual content, and it'll probably show up. Um, and of course, you can pi- either put my name in or or Gigi Adams Evans, because um, she's she's running now. Of course, G Wiz Productions. 
which you can find her on Out the internet by that. Atlanta, yeah. Right. So she'll be back with us, folks. But she's Pastor Gigi, and she's all in. So uh, we needed a fourth wheel or a third wheel, whichever one shows up on Sunday <laughs> or the hour if Richard and I aren't here or Ken. But Ken, me, and Richard have been a mainstay uh, for the last two weeks. So I guess we'll keep rolling along. Rolling down the river, so to speak, R R R. Well, Ken, uh, now Richard's been doing radio here just on another channel, but we've got him here for a couple of months. But no, actually, February through today. So that's not right. too bad for 2021. February, March, April, May. Yeah, four months right here, uh, folks. So I know you've got four months of history on Richard. For all you historians that want to research him, and Ken's real easy because he's got his book. And Richard and I, bless his heart, he came to me right off the beginning with a huge book that I just didn't have time to help him because it's so hard to get to people's books they've already done. But I told him I'd help him with his next book if he would get his book up, you know, on uh, well Kindle and Amazon, like Ken and I, so we can all sort of be even. So. Richard's working on that. It's on his round to it list, right, Richard? Or is it on your bucket list? <laughs> no, it's 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 on my list. Great. Well, uh, now we can get started. I think we're through all the introductories. So now, uh, back to this whole thing of what we're building here. It's off of my uh, Ascension Center organization and my downloads and my book, uh, Knowing Cosmology, Ken. And I still promise to get uh, Richard my book, uh, AC, uh, Life Coaching, because we're going to be doing some life coaching here too. And I do a lot of things and a lot of hats. So does Ken and so does Richard. And Ken was our main big uh, boss spokesperson at all these UFO events. And he got started uh I guess we can start with the UFO stuff, and uh, unless Richard, Richard, do you want to start with metaphysics? It's all the same to me, but to some people, they want to unpack it and break it down. Richard, what do you want to do? Because you keep Ken and Bob, because I'm more than happy to go on mute, because uh, I learned from both you guys. But uh, Richard, have you got anything prepared for today? Well, for, I mean, uh, you know. Uh, Basically, if you start talking ascension, you're, you're talking about the now, the present moment. If you start talking metaphysics, then, of course, you, you basically are speaking of the foundation that has brought us to where we are now, which is a combination of religion and New Age and uh, philosophy and all kinds of different streams of thought and so forth that uh, basically have come in full circle, more or less. Because that's what's going on today is, is basically you have all of the metaphysical and spiritual streams of thought and ideologies and so forth, as well as science jumping into the mix. Because science is basically uh, more or less fortified or you could say validated in a manner of speaking a lot of religious thought or a lot of religious ide- ideology because uh, there's a substantiation of a lot going on that has been believed for hundreds of years or even thousands of years and science now through quantum physics and so forth has actually come to, to, to say that yes there is an energetic source outside of ourselves that exists and has existed for a very long time and that in turn 
this quantum field is basically what sustains us all. So you could say in a manner of speaking that science has acknowledged the presence of God or a God source per se. Um, so then in turn, you know, you've got all the cosmology involved with our science, with our astronauts and, and all of our science programs and all of that way, which of course Ken is far more knowledgeable in that venue than I am um, simply because he experienced hands-on with the moon project and all of that. Um, so anything that you could add, Ken, that would, that would in turn substantiate, I guess, extraterrestrial existence uh, or ufology, any of that would be, be more than welcome because that too is endorsed because naturally if we're not the only ones in the universe. Well, um, one, of the, one of the things I would talk about is, is interesting to me, and, and when you, you get to go to some of these functions that I'm sure you've been to, and you get in touch with other people, you find out how did they get involved with um, extraterrestrials or, or wondering about that. And, and what I found, um, as I said earlier, whenever I had that um, sister moon and I, I was dead for 39 seconds, so that gives you some idea that uh, God wasn't finished with me yet and made sure that I made it back on here. But um, what I would like to, to bring on with people is that we, we are not alone. And that's one of the main things that we've we've been able to come to understanding with that when God created the, the earth, the heavens, and the universe, that we um, um, are just a part of what the total existence is. And so when we're looking at the opportunity to have direct contact, now that uh, is where I'm looking at it. I'm staying really close to some of the other people that um, have have been putting out. Uh, research and following up on on supposed landing spots and things it's getting extremely active right now so i'm i the ones i've talked to privately we're in a position where we i can expect that we're going to be in direct contact with other ex, extraterrestrial <laughs> we're probably extraterrestrials as far as they're concerned but um gives us the opportunity to raise the consciousness of our generation of homo sapiens sapiens on this planet of earth and we can do that stop all of this insanity of uh, who's going to control the whole world and, and kill everybody else off humans humans are a little difficult and i i'm i'm fully capable and ready and that's been part of what my whole life has been about is is being prepared for us to take that position of within the whole galaxy the whole universe so anyway um, I'm going to stay involved a little bit more with uh, with TJ, with Blog Talk Radio, and uh, uh, now with you, Richard. I'm sure I'll, I'll have the opportunity that we'll be able to talk privately and come up with things that you'd like for me to talk about. Because sometimes, sometimes you know, when you you get brought onto something pretty short, and you say, "Well, what do you want me to talk about?" And I say, "Oh, I don't know. Just bring up part of your background and story is," and uh, that can kind of get lost at times. And I apologize for. Sounding like I ramble on a little bit, but um, I just want to say, okay, as far as um, background, we know um, I, I, I was dead. I came back. I'm, uh, my my dad was lost during World War II, and I took up where he left off and became a pilot. Um, I've got over 5,000. And I didn't keep track of that. Pull up my logbook and find out. And, uh, in fact, I might do that right now. It may be upwards around 50,000. <laughs> 
hours. Uh, stand by if I can put this thing open here. Um, oh, how about um, 2,670 hours as a pilot in there? So there have been many times flying where I have come in contact with other things that have kept pace with me and look over and say, well, you know, um, I'm glad we're all friends here in this universe. The thing that's what we have to do is be prepared to communicate with what else is going on in the universe, and hopefully um, it'll stay in the realm of peace and understanding, and we, we can grow and we can learn. Now, it, as far as uh, life growing up with that, it, uh, there are challenges and opportunities that come, come around, and we have to just be ready. The, as far as education was concerned, and I, I listened to some of the, the quality qualification that he was talking about, um, you've got some very, very well-educated individuals that are part of the radio program. And, uh, you know, when you sit down and you start talking with some other people that didn't get that education, you have to be sure that you're willing to, to discuss it in the level that they are and they can understand. So I, I'm not superior to anybody. I'm as down-to-earth as, as I hope they would want to have me, but then I, I also will do my best this to stay proper and healthy and not uh, go off on some of the alcoholic tracks as well as other people things have. So a lot of it is there. And the, um, oh, the, what I wanted to say is that we are, de- in, in my contacts and information, we are definitely moving strong into this time of contact, full contact with um, extraterrestrials and probably with, with our own selves in past times, and it should, it's going to get really, really interesting. Here we are moving into um, a, a new year, and before this, before this year is out, and I'm, I've already gone on contact. We're losing, I don't go. know why this doesn't want to do that, because I got it. What about in two inches from my mouth? Really? Mm-hmm. You, can you still hear me? Yeah, I hear you fine now. Real, this is strange. Maybe it's the, oh, you know what it is? The cable was sliding out a little bit to the phone. Anyway, so I'm saying um, where I was, we are moving into the phase of direct contact public-wise that have been, has been tried to be kept totally secret by governments, European, Asian, and uh, uh, ours over here, that uh, they can't keep it, keep it secret anymore because – you can just about talk to any of the pilots, and they'll tell you, yeah, we've seen them come up close to us and move off. And um, so as a, as a species ourselves, we are, we, human, are ready, I think, but much more ready than we were back in the early 40s and further back than that, to accept direct contact with extraterrestrials, and then we will be moving into the, the higher phase of intelligence and intelligent beings and the whole universe. So, uh, you know, hang in there. <laughs> if you've ever been interested in wanting to know what ETs look like and what, and there there will be various types, but uh, you will be getting information from the sources, probably TJ and, and Richard, hopefully myself, as to which ones you want to try to stay safe from. Because after all, they are not human, but then again, they're a species, and extraterrestrials are extraterrestrials. We shall see what it is, and it's going to be happening in my book, and I'm on the ledge of saying it, before the end of this year, 
that we're in right now, we'll be talking about it, and uh, they will have already been landed and we'll be uh, able to, to communicate directly with them. So that just kind of brings me up to date with where, where I am as far as um, past experience and unless you want to get down to details, exactly when and where I have had contact because there have been in my life. I'd be more than happy to sit and chit-chat with uh, people that also experience direct contact. All right, uh, that's about it for right now. You guys want to jump back in, uh, uh, Richard or TJ? Give me a break, and I'll um, hear something you guys sure. say, and then I'll something to add. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Well, I mean, you certainly broaden the topic, and I do. I totally agree with you. I do believe that uh, humanity as a whole, we are fully prepared, more or less, for first contact with alien beings that, up until now, have been what you would call hide-and-seek, I guess, because oh, yeah. there, have been, there have been thousands of people that have had direct contact. Uh, myself, having been abducted at age five and placed back down with a, a tracking device in my physical body that remained inside me until the age of 35, uh, when it was physically, surgically removed. Um, and, of course, other, other <clears throat> kind of contacts where, you know, you see... Uh, I guess other than to call them spaceships, I don't know what else you'd call them really because uh, they're not flying saucers, even though to some degree that might apply in, in the fact being that they are various shapes. There are round ones that have multi-levels to them, and then there are ones that look like triangles, and then there are others that just appear as nothing more than light, kind of like orbs off in the distance, and... You, they can be photographed and so forth, but as far as actually a distinct uh, impression of what they actually are cannot really be said. Um, but I would say that, you know, the, the contact's probably been going on for who knows how many hundreds of years. And uh, different civilizations, different cultures, and so on and so forth have reacted to them in various different ways. And, of course, now I'm, I'm like you. I, I'm hope very, very much so that naturally they're going to greet us in peace, and I do believe that that's what is going to be what comes about, and I agree with you 100%. There are some that look similar to us, not exactly like us, but they are human in some way, shape, or form, and then, of course, there are, are others that are from other planetary systems that are completely alien in their physiology and so forth, uh, but they've all been making contact uh, telepathically, uh, some physically, some mentally, some uh, in all kinds of different ways. And I do believe, uh, again, I have to agree with you that if, in fact, this does transpire, hopefully our, our consciousness as a race will raise to such an extent that we will be completely fine with it and we will greet them in you know a, a very peaceful manner and not of course uh resort to fear and anger and lash out them out them lash out at them from the perspective that maybe it's going to be some kind of invasion or such right that's that's for sure and uh, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you i'm just agreeing with you where you're at that will make no that's fine difference. yeah so um where do you where do you feel that we'll be moving into now and and how Soon, are you? You have you? Well, you you also have had some contact as well as, as I have, so I know 
I know you feel that perhaps, but anything more recent that gives you an indication, like I've gone on the, on the, uh, out on the edge here saying it before this year is out that we're going to have publicly accepted um, direct contact. And I, that's going to be the fun part, well, fun, let's hope it's fun, where they have to deal with our Congress, our governments, our militaries, and um, make it in a peaceful, peaceful movement for um, all of us as, as homo sapiens. And um, I'm, I'm ready for it. How about yourself? Are you, are you prepared? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, you know, um, uh, if I were to go out on a spiritual limb, I would have to say that, yes, from a spiritual point of view, uh, there have been lots of contacts with lots of beings from lots of different races and so on and so forth. But a spiritual perception of a spiritual being connecting with you or coming in, into your environment, of course, is a very personal experience. And a lot of people are going to scratch their heads and say, yeah, right, uh-huh, it's time for him to go to the funny farm <laughs> kind of thing. Because naturally, you know, when you start seeing beings that other people don't see and you start having conversations with beings that other other people can't hear, then, yeah, you know, they, it, it becomes very questionable. But, again, this is probably very a very common occurrence. And, of course, I do know for a fact – um, or at least I suspect very strongly that our government and especially our military has already been in contact with such beings and that part of our technological jump forward in uh, engineering processes and so forth were aided by information given to them by uh, extraterrestrial beings. I do believe that Roswell was very much a first contact and yes, um, Fortunately, the Secrecy Act has expired on that by now. And, uh, but yes, we had a lot of beings that uh, have come and connected with lots of different people all over the earth. Um, and, you know, it's time that our government, and they slowly are, uh, believe it or not, they slowly are admitting that, in fact, there are, you know, other beings and that there are. Uh, spaceships and so forth in our atmosphere and stratosphere and they have been you know taking pictures of them and uh, it's been noted noted for the record that yes there has been contact but they are not near um, prepared necessarily to come all the way forward and go on record exactly exactly how extensive that contact was and of course you have to look at it from the perspective that uh, there are numerous agencies within our government that utilize information on a need-to-know basis, and that's exactly where a lot of it stands. Is you know, if you don't have the need to know, then you're not going to know. <laughs> and yes, yeah. for them to come forward to the extent that there is no longer a deniability. In other words, we're talking about. Who knows, maybe a hundred, maybe a thousand, maybe a hundred thousand ships all appearing within our immediate atmosphere at one given time, then no, there will no longer be the capability of denying their existence. Um, now, whether the first contact will be to that extent or whether it will be just one humongous ship that, you know, is, is like the size of a couple dozen football fields, I mean, to see such a 
spaceship of such diameter and such propensity would it would again you know uh be undeniable for one but it would be obviously foreign to our uh, capability of putting something in space right the biggest problem i i see and i don't know if it's uh disagree with but it's um the governments uh, have been trying to things hide the information and how it's going to be able to come forward it is it uh, is not to be where you said hundreds or thousands of ships at once that would be a total panic worldwide whereas i i feel the way that it's been moving for the last 50 years more public to the where we've had a chance as as um, species here planet earth to start accepting the fact that we're not the only intelligent questionable uh species in the universe and that um we're now moving into a phase of recognition by other intelligent beings, which is to be used in a way that would be better off for uh, us as, as uh, earthlings, as humans. So, and it has to do with medical and uh, um, to uh, help us as humans be able to uh, survive and, and be able to take our place in the universe as far as uh, intelligent beings. There's so much of that starting and going on right now that it's a case of being able to make it go public. To and, that's, and again, it's our press that depends on how they handle it. They go into a panic, panic phase and a panic mode and say this this reptilian-looking, which I don't expect to see that anyway, um, species. People go into a panic mode and they they can't think straight. But when you you're dealing with um, uh, making let's say making acquaintance with intelligent beings that don't look a whole lot different than we than we are now because uh, uh, that's that's going to be maybe a little bit easier and then again if you look at the intelligent beings if they have um, you know I, first of all you have to accept that out throughout the universe the whole existence everything they're bound to be other uh, beings very similar to what we are here in in our our um, our planet and our solar system. So if you if we've got intelligent um, beings in other other galaxies, then I'm sure they've had a chance to come. If they're if they're coming here, they've had a chance for contact just about anywhere. And it's just a case of us uh, standing up and saying, okay, I'm I'm ready now to become educated into the universe and see what it is that that our our creator our our being has made available to us it's just one step at a time and i'm ready to make that next step how about you you if you well you've already had some contact and uh i i could go into my contact too sometime uh very interesting and i'm, I'm pleased the opportunity to meet you richard and, uh, we can talk some more sometime about how your contact went and from there so, sure has it um, has it continued continued on anymore since uh, your original contact Yes, and it's kind of hard to describe in words other than to say that there's been telepathic contact. In other words, like uh, the awareness that there is something beyond my my physical sight, but within my awareness uh, expanding out, you know, who knows, possibly to the upper parts of the stratosphere or what have you, that allows me to know that there is a presence up there of a spacecraft and there are beings on that craft and 
there has been some minor communication here and there. Okay, I have not uh, been privileged with actually meeting them firsthand. <laughs> which right. so yes, uh, I am very much uh, ready for that to actually occur, and I do believe that hopefully uh, the majority of the, the human race are of like mind. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's gotten to the point that I believe the undeniability factor has spread far and wide, and perhaps that we are ready now um, to accept uh, beings from another uh, galaxy or another universe or another wherever they happen to be from and, you know, have that first contact. And I agree. I believe they will be peaceful. I agree that they are here to help. Uh, I believe that they will help us medically. I believe that they will help us scientifically. Uh, I will help. They will help us probably energetically as far as the proper use of energy and that kind of thing, which all of these, of course, will in turn drastically change our mode of living because there will be a whole whole different construct of how things should be utilized and how things should be um, made use of and, and, and this kind of thing. You see what I'm saying? Um, uh, maybe they'll have cures for uh, to get us away from all of these diseases and all of these different things that we undergo physically. Maybe they will have uh, potential medical um, solutions to all of that. And, of course, uh, you know, there will have to be a better distribution of food so that we get rid of all the starvation in the world. And, and, you know, hopefully we can get past having wars or, you know, skirmishes or whatever you want to call them currently because uh, there's really no need for that when it really comes down to it. You know what I'm saying? I'm like you. Uh, Why should any one given government or one given power have complete say over the entirety of the earth and the earth's resources. I don't, I don't think that that should be the case. I would think that that should be uh, spread out in such a way that there eliminates a lot of um, all of the cruelty and starvation and abuse that is going on currently. I think that it can be abolished very readily. I, I agree with you completely. That's been... Um one of the concerns, and that is how our governments, well, actually, we know how our governments have reacted. It would just go back as far as uh, Roswell and and the uh, almost good contact then. Uh, How the governments are going to react? Well, we we know how the governments are going to react because they've been really closed-minded, isn't it? Um, it, It's, correct me if, if I'm wrong, Government and people in positions of authority and power don't want to give up that power. And, and unfortunately, that can lead into some very serious situations where we are now. And, and I don't, I'd, I would personally, in thinking about what we were just discussing, that we will not see a mass of thousands of craft showing up in our universe. That would be like we're being attacked. And it's going to come in more. Some of these, remember some of the, well, I don't know if you're old enough, uh, science fiction where they landed right there off the uh, Washington, D.C., and, uh, and England, right off the, where the, the crown is and all. 
different different countries, they would come and land in um, there to show that, you know, they're here to help us take on a position within the galaxy with other intelligent species and take care of the problems that we still, as, as a species, we have all kinds of medical problems and physical problems and being able to um, support our families. There, there are things that we can learn. And if, in my opinion, it's mine right fast, is if species have made the transition from one galaxy to another to to come and visit where we are here in this world, uh, surely they have learned ways of producing um, ways to, to avoid starvation and no education. I think we would be in a position then with a little help of uh, being sure that our and, – and, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here. Earth things, humans are a little strange in that, you know, some say, well, we've got plenty of food here. The rest of you guys can go start. No, that's not the way it should be. It needs to be that we all work together as a species, uh, as humans, and uh, make life livable the way our our deity, the way God had it for us to grow and learn. And uh, that's what I, I look forward to. I, I had stepped up and taken on the... Um, uh, not deity, uh, stepped forward and became ordained and, and actually uh, uh, handled a couple of churches that I had working for a while. Gosh, we're talking about decades ago. But in, in that was just a part of the background and life I had. And I'm, I'm still willing to do whatever we need to do that, that's, that's proper. I guess that's a proper term, proper term. And um, the way that we can help each other humans to move into a phase of intelligence beings in the universe and, and of, of all the creation. So I'm saying be prepared because in my opinion, uh, which one nice thing about America is we do have, we're authorized to have our own opinion so long as it's not foul, a little too far. So I'm, re- I'm ready and uh, we'll see just exactly what happens uh, when it is made public, and I'm going to stick with what I've been saying all year, is that before the end of this year, uh, we should be able to, to be more in direct public contact, and uh, that's got to be peaceful. We'll see where it goes from there. Can you step in and go from that? Is that kind of along the same line you're at? Sure. Um, I mean, I agree with you. Uh, naturally, if, if hundreds of thousands of ships all appear at the same time completely around the world, then yes, we're going to feel threatened and we're going to feel like some kind of invasion is going on or something of that nature. Whereas perhaps if smaller ships are used and they're sent to all of the, um, I guess you could say, seats of power to all of the governments around the world from all, for all of the countries around the world at the same time, um, and, you know, the, the, the hand of peace is extended and say, hey, you know, we're here to help. We're here to um, show you things that will make your lives a whole lot easier and show you different ways to manipulate energy and different ways to manipulate uh, sustenance and so forth. And, of course, uh, you know, possibly to do away with a lot of illness and suffering and so forth. And I think that that would be very warmly received 
more so nowadays than say even a hundred years ago or less, you know. Um, right. But again, it's a mindset, you know. It, it's it's not only going to the point of saying, acknowledging first and foremost that of course there are other intelligent beings and intelligent species within our within probably our within our uh, cosmos or within our universe or what have you that in turn, yes, if they can certainly travel from however many light years away they are from us, then obviously they have gotten to a point in their uh, civilization and so forth and uh, that they have advanced quite a bit farther than we are, at least as far as technology goes. And if, if they're more advanced in technology, then more than likely they would have uh, overcome a great many things that currently causes a tremendous amount of chaos within our uh, reality, per se. So, uh, Richard, how, how, would you, how do you think or feel that uh, the open, the, the news, the press, everything else steps in before the, the government can shut it down of direct contact in public and wherever the craft or the beings come in? How our government is going to handle it, and, and or some of those that don't have much of a, a, a government. Do you have any, any personal feelings on how you think that's going to go? What's going to happen? Um, I think the majority of governments may be open-minded to the extent as long as they do not feel in any way threatened. Yeah. Um, now, of course, yeah, I mean, there's, there's lots of places in Africa that do not have formal governments per se. Uh, there are lots of uh, countries that have uh, governments, but they they don't have the same ranking of communication that we enjoy on a daily basis. They don't have all the news services and, and all all that kind of so forth. As a matter of fact, it's our news service that often tries to cover the world to some large extent um, in reaching out to bring news or to get the news of what's going on in a given particular area out to the rest of the world. Um, I would hope that uh, there would be no overt control of the press. I would hope that the press, you know, would be allowed to uh, make public announcement over the airwaves, regardless of what radio station or, or regardless of what television station it happens to be, hopefully several at the same time. So that in turn, these broadcasts can in turn themselves make an announcement worldwide that this is what is going on and that it is being received on a peaceful basis and that there's no need to feel, you know, threatened by them or, or so on and so forth. And maybe even, you know, put them directly on camera and allow them themselves to introduce themselves and this kind of thing rather than uh, being all closed door where they land and they're suddenly rushed into the White House and all the doors are closed as to what's going on. You see what I'm saying? That secrecy right. thing. Um, I think it is a point in time that we do need, you know, to share such knowledge commonly. Um, yeah. The, the main thing is to try to prevent the panic because um, – you know, we, and, and I'm saying you, myself, and DJ and others, we have been in, and, and I'll use the word contact, but it, it was um, 
intelligence in the form of um, not just the education, but in science, and uh, uh, and, I, and I'm sure that there are, there are other branches, astronomy and those folks that they have a lot more knowledge that they're dealing with. But now here we are in a position to, with radio, which we're doing now, and to start putting out information and uh, It'll be, I think it'll be a little bit, not not real slow, because so let's face it, they land in, at the White House like they've had the science fiction movies, and these, it's always been kind of a panic. But when we have been, had all these years of science fiction movies, good ones, not the panic ones, and our um, other forms of how our universe was put together and where we, we think that there would be other intelligence, if it can be made public slowly like that, by slowly, I mean it's been going on slowly, and I think that's been slow enough. But my source is correct with regards to before the end of this year that we are in right now, that it'll be the main subject everybody's talking about, where we are, who who came in and landed, where or what have you, uh, what is the story they bringing they're bringing into us, what's going to be our next step. Uh, is it going to stop the wars and things that are going on even right now? And that's a problem when you have homo sapiens sapiens, that someone has the way to get the biggest club and beat those around them to where they're, they're just, you know, what I'm saying is if, if those that are dictators, those that want to have all the power and control themselves, they're the ones that we will have the most difficult with, not the aliens. So... Uh, hopefully they'll be in a position to uh, hadn't thought about that until I was asked to talk and discussing with you. But wouldn't it be nice if the ETs could just simply have a pre-programmed they uh, produce it over a radio or television thing, where those that have the attitude that they're going to control all the humans on this planet get frozen, kind of you know, where they can't talk. <laughs> so we'll get them for a while. I mean until we can get the whole world in the position of realizing that maybe deity has decided it's time for us to learn that we are not the only intelligent species in the universe and that our creator purposely made more at different times so that we are at a point now of becoming part of the the, the family of intelligent beings throughout the whole universe. So I'm, uh, I guess had the, it sounds like you have too, the pleasure of, I want to say abduction, I guess if that's a good term. You you, you want to elaborate a little bit on what, what your experience was or if it's old, you've already talked about it. That, I'm a little slow on that, but I'll, I'll be happy to step in and, and start with mine. But why don't you tell me how you feel that you've had direct contact? Well, I was only five years old, okay, and I was swinging on a swing. And I was swinging as high as I could swing, and I wanted to touch tree branch with the soles of my feet. Of course, I was wearing tennis shoes at the time, but I was swinging, 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 and all of a sudden, a grand arc of light, like a, a tremendous spotlight, was shining down on me. And the next thing I know, I was no longer in the seat of the swing. I was then transported somehow, whether it be by the light energy or whether by what means exactly, I cannot tell you because naturally I had no perception of it at five years old. But uh, I was brought aboard uh, 
some kind of very large craft. Uh, I could only see the bottom of it, and the next thing I knew, I was inside the craft itself. And I was uh, standing at first, and there were beings. Uh, some of them were green, some of them were blue in color, um, and basically, yeah, they had they had arms and legs and heads and eyes just like we do. Uh, they were not of the same physical constitution as we are, uh, but at the same time, I felt that I was being welcomed and that I was I was there was I was not afraid. I didn't have a fear reaction at all, and I was laid out on kind of like a a metal table or what have you and uh, they were standing around me and looking at me and so on and so forth and I was not alone uh, there were there were many other children in, in many other table kind of situations with bright lights over them and so forth and uh, I don't remember exactly what all went on because I guess you know they put me to sleep or something or did something anyway but I felt uh, very different as I began to wake up. And as I began to wake up, I was no longer on the swing. I was now back in my bed inside uh, the place that I was actually residing at. So I had, you know, uh, incontrovertible proof that obviously something had happened, that it wasn't just my imagination, that in fact I had gone from being on a swing set out in the, the yard to all of a sudden being in a in my bed in my bedroom at the uh, Catholic boarding school who I was where I was actually living at the time. But there wow. were, as far as I know, there were no other witnesses because obviously uh, this happened. How long exactly it happened, I don't know. Uh, all I know is that uh, it had gone from being like sunset. To being uh, dark, so you know, obviously it had transited into night. So who knows? In our time frame, maybe a two or three hours. Yeah, you know, obviously in their time frame, maybe a minute or two. I don't know. You know, what I'm saying because uh, I can't say how they would measure time or not measure time. All I know is that uh, when I returned um, a very short time after, I uh, was sequestered. Basically, uh, because I was gifted, so I was a telepath and I could read minds and this kind of thing. So they treated me very differently from the rest of the children. And they more or less, uh, instead of sending me to school per se, they sent me upstairs to a library. And this library had thousands of books and it had uh, a couch, you know, where I could sit and so forth. And I would pull books from, from from the library and I would begin reading them. And a lot of these books were spoken, were written in different foreign languages. And I, it didn't matter what language I came upon, I could actually read it. And so I became uh, what you would classify as a savant of languages. And I could read, speak, write, and understand uh, 14 different languages. And this went on for a while. Uh, I don't know exactly when it really ceased or if it ever has ceased. Uh, obviously, today I am not fluent in 14 languages, um, and if that were meant to be, 
part of what uh, part of what the reason that I would have been here for, then obviously I would have joined the United Nations and become a language translator of some kind. <laughs> but obviously yeah. that was not to be. Okay, <laughs> instead, right. uh, you know, uh, my life has has been very interesting. Uh, there have been hundreds of experiences with uh, all kinds of different entities and so forth, um, all kinds of mystical experiences, all kinds of, uh, you know, spiritual journeys and that kind of thing, um, as well as, of course, as doing civil and criminal investigations, uh, being involved with our government as an inspector with immigration um, and different other things of this nature um, where I was involved in investigations uh, into other not-so-nice organizations or whatever. Um, but basically, I, I have continued to always uh, go out of my way to help others. And I think that's probably the main reason that I'm here is so that I can help others. And maybe, who knows, maybe our helping others is helping people to understand that, you know, yes, this is where we've gotten to. This is where we've come to. This is where we are as a race. This is this is the next step that we need to take forward because it's not purely a step forward in greeting other intelligence beings. It's also a step forward in being recognized as an intelligence race and that race joining like you could say a brother sisterhood of the galaxy or of the universe uh, where there are lots of other intelligent races from lots of different planets and lots of different galaxies and universes. And uh, so it's, it's kind of like you said, being welcomed into a family. And as a result of that, I do see also that uh, we are going to step forward on a conscious basis. We are going to become more consciously aware in a very hard to describe uh, or put into words aspect other than to say that vibrationally and frequency wise, our vibration will rise so that in turn, um, we are more consciously aware of things and more consciously connected to each other on a conscious level than we are currently. Because currently, naturally, we, are, we treat each other as purely individuals. And I think it's this individualism and the separateness that basically creates all of the problems that we have to a large extent, because like you said, you know, one, one given individual wants to seize power and have dominion over a given set of people or a given culture or a given country or what have you. And that has basically been historically the way we have been. There has really been, <clears throat> excuse me, no grand reaching out other than through the UN and of course compacts and treaties and compromises and things of this nature where you have our government acknowledging other governments around the world and working together to some limited extent. Um, if we step out of that and say, okay, we are all one race and we are all brothers and sisters of that race, we can therefore reach out openly to aid each other in a much larger and grander scale than we have ever done in the past. And like I say, it's, it's, it's in a manner of speaking, it's almost unimaginable because our, our history, uh, you know, says that, yes, we, we are very um, 
self-contained. We are very um, ideological in regards to how we should govern ourselves and make our laws and so on and so forth. And all of a sudden you get an outside race that is thousands of years in advance of ourselves and they are showing us different ways to manipulate energy and different ways to do things that in turn help us to take a giant leap forward in comparison to where we are now. I'm, you know, like I said, I can't, since we are not there and I have not even had a taste of it, it's very hard to say. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that the truth? As as a kid, as a little kid, and um, have you had experience like, well, I'm going to say what I want to be sleeping, and then in my sleep, I find myself in in another um, totally different location, place, environment, planet, town, in tall, tall buildings uh, with direct contact with the people uh, people there and craft that would could fly in and out and um, and then wake up with lost time, but yet. Um, realizing that there was an awful lot that uh, was taking place. Um, and I'm, I'm, of course, we, we are going to find people that, that may have... Do what? I'm saying people listening into this conversation that we're having with each other, they're going to say, oh, these people are crazy. Because I'm going to say, you know, teleported. Now, scientifically, they're thinking that it is a possibility that we can do that. But I'm saying as, as a a kid, a child, a young, you know, first grader type, was to be teleported to another planet for training and being there for a while, but yet then brought back to Earth at the same time period where uh, where I was before I was picked up and taken. I've never talked about those, these things before, but yes, um, the experiences you've had that I've had that other people find hard to accept is it may become a, hopefully a lot easier when we have direct open contact and um, direct contact. So I, I'm comfortable with and people like yourself and like myself have had contact. We probably are going to be put in a position of helping our our friends, our Homo sapiens, sapiens, other contacts uh, back. Not not back down, but to relax and learn because it is going to be a whole case of learning and learning how to accept what was created. What was created? Bring the microphone just a hair closer to your mouth. I am just well. Let's see here. Let me. There you go. You got real clear. See? Really? Okay. I, I've opened it up because I had the there I had it all together. Is that okay? Okay. Sorry about that. Because um, I don't have my computer all back up again and my microphone, so that things will work. Anyway, uh, I, I'm, I think we are at the very edge of moving into direct contact and to moving into being able to, um, to put down the arms of control of other people, and yet um, be in a position to accept. The, the knowledge and experience, and the whole thing's going to have a lot to do with what our ET, um, probably, <laughs> direct context look like. Because, you know, we have science fiction and we have everything from, from monsters to uh, intelligent beings and 
you name it, science, not science, I should say our, our Hollywood people have just about tried every other kind of, of existence, but yet um, I, th- I, I really feel like that it's going to go a lot smoother than what we think. And, uh, and but I could, add, be... that one. Say I could add a little bit on that. I'll add a few minutes on that talk about what uh, happened to me, if you don't mind. Sure. I'm trying to separate it from like you guys when you're a kid. When So most people that have had uh, their lives uh, impacted are influenced by extraterrestrials. Uh, ergo, this TJ CT radio brand, and it's been on show nine years. You know, we've been pulling this. But, uh, you know, when I was a kid, uh, Ken, I was uh, died at hepatitis second grade seven. And they went and got a machine from New Orleans and brought it up and took all my blood out. So that's how I know I died, but I saw angels. So, you know, to me, they didn't want me to talk about it. So I was willed the next year to go to White Sands, New Mexico. And uh, I I, I told this to the niece, our daughter of Hot, William Hot, because she wanted to know my story and know if I'd help. Uh Uh-oh. Ken fell off. Ken, you huh. still there? It says he's here, but at the same time, it says he fell off. Uh, I hope he'll I'm come back. Sure. Did all right. Well, hopefully he'll come back. Let's see. It's loud and clear. There you go. There you are. Okay, Ken. I thought you. I offended you. Did I offend you? I didn't hear a word you said. <laughs> you put him on wow, mute, maybe, or something? Weird. <laughs> you you want to go ahead and insult me again? I, that way I can hear it, okay? Well, no, I, I thought maybe I was finished. Uh, I was going to tell you about uh, when I was a child and when I died, so I'm curious as to how all this works with these extraterrestrials, because I had beings my family couldn't see as a child. So they thought I was highly intelligent because I could remember stuff really, really good from the time I was born. And mother would tell you, you can't possibly remember that. You weren't even two years old. And, they, you know, she read Dr. Spock and was quoting to me what I couldn't couldn't do as a child. And I would quote back to her exactly what happened with a memory, and she would just be in awe. And then she couldn't see these beings that I was speaking to that wouldn't let her see them. So in my reality, okay, in this reality, even though my mother's passed, she never believed in UFOs. She never had that. But she did die, she thinks, our extraterrestrial experience, what they call it, near death, when she ate a peach pit because it tasted like almonds. They said her and her brother, and believe me, when I was growing up, we always in the 50s out in the South had lots of peaches, but they ate peach pits, and it had something in the pit that smelled like almonds, but it's like cyanide, but her and her brother got really sick, so that was her near-death experience, but she was always psychic and could tell when certain people or planes or certain things were going to happen, and then she was a great writer educator but she never believed in ufos but she liked stan free stanton when he'd call me or we'd talk for some reason she'd listen to me and stanton talk because when uh stan friedman came into my life she had moved back up where i'd had surgery on my back and neck 
from a, a truck driving accident I had, broke my back and neck. But anyway, the thing is, as a child, that's one level of existence in your story of origin, mine too, Richard's too. So we all have that in common. But I find it curious that they had me go over to White Sands and I had relatives that just happened to take me to White Sands and other guys that worked for the missile range uh, there at White Sands. And then later on, uncles came through while you and I were working, you know, NASA area and stayed with me, me and our mother. I had the house out in Clear Lake League City you know, in Diamond Duplex apartment for Newton B. Schwartz. But uh, my uncle stayed and worked at NASA, all right, and stayed at our house in Houston. And he was he was married to my aunt. What was her name? Well, my Esther Bolton was my mother's, and then mother was Teresa May Bolton Thurman, T H U R M L D N D. And then it was she was married remarried. Uh, when he came through to Houston, she was married to Charlie Thomas, but my uncle worked at NASA and uh, stayed in our Catherine. That's what it was, Catherine Smith, and she married whatever his name was, and I don't remember. And he slept at our house in our uh, – we had four-bedroom, two-bath, and six kids. But he uh, – we had a formal living room and then a big den, you know, high-vaulted ceiling, and he slept on a makeshift cot in that extra den or whatever you want to call it. So he wasn't any imposition. You know, we had two kids per room and a mother off of the – I don't know why I'm going into details of that. Nobody wants to know that. <laughs> this is for history, folks. I'm getting into the details. So you got to be careful. Okay. Back to the uh, – I was wanting to you, – you spurred a memory of me going into Area 51, and uh, when me and my husband were told to disregard the warning signs, that made me feel really weird. Uh, but we went. We were allowed because we were truck drivers, right, for the government, and we pulled from Microsoft U.S. Treasury. And to be honest with you, I don't remember what we were carrying, but as over-the-road truck drivers, we were both government, prior government, in and out of uniform, in and out of Europe, and, you know, Germany, and S2 Division, and Three Corps, and Fort Hood. And then I signed a new contract in Fort Hood by the time I was – driving a big truck, but they had a government contract they wanted me to fulfill, or they had a government job, and they wanted me to have it. But the, it was real spooky because the men in black, that's all I know to call them because they would never tell me who they were. They hired me uh, over and over again throughout my life, You know, not just out of the James Bond movie when I was 15, and then I was met Sonny's chair at the Hobby Airport. Then uh, – I went over again uh, to Roswell to uh, Walter Hout, Glenn Dennis, and what was her name? But anyway, I talked to the lady about my uh, UFO experience, you know, going over to White Sands and seeing a UFO come over the White Sands. And then that's when Kevin Smith had me on his show, but then he died of a heart attack. And then I wrote for Dirk Vanderplug and UFO and I guess he died of a heart attack. I don't know. But it was sort of spooky because everybody I would tell my story to in the public, the people would die. It's probably just a coincidence. But, well, I'm going uh, to uh, hang up now since I know you. It's, um, it's dangerous. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I know. It makes you wonder, doesn't it? I mean, it's just coincidental stuff. 
But, uh, you know, when I went to Area 51, well, that's not what you called it. It was some kind of, you know, it wasn't, you know, they don't sell you that on your orders or anything. You know, what it is is the truck driver signed for the paper, and then it's your responsibility till you get there. And then they, what they would do, once you drive in, if I remember correctly, you would uh, park there, drop your trailer at the gate, well, you're inside the gate, you know, you're inside the warning signs and inside a gate, but inside the gate, you know, they had the security guys and the, and then they were the trailers. And I think you drop it and then somebody else comes and takes it to the secret place. Right. And then brings it back out at night and you hook up or get an empty trailer. You, you get your trailer back. Does that make sense? Yeah. So what was your, not to interrupt, but what was your direct experience with ETs? Oh, uh, which you mean during my whole lifetime after I was child? You mean as an adult? Or no, so no, that's no. The just, thing. Just... I oh well, man. Uh, I had when I was going in and out of Hawaii, and they were uh, taking me to Las Vegas. That was a different group of men in black. They would meet me. And uh, take me, like Janet Airlines are on the buses. They parked at, uh, what was that P name? Art Bell talked to me about it. They had me go up there. They had me do things and then retrace my steps with the, uh, by the way, some of these shows of these kids don't know the real truth. But it's not classified. They just have to investigate. Some of these shows they're putting on History Channel are not accurate. It's very embarrassing because we're still alive, Ken. But they're telling people like Janet Airlines. They're coming up with dumbass names for Janet Airlines in Las Vegas. It's just Janet Airlines. The guy, and this is not classified, folks. This is the CIA dude from security out of Washington's wife was named Janet. Okay, so they named it Janet Air because he was going in and out of security for Area 51. But there's a whole bunch of stuff that people just don't investigate, okay? I lived through it, so I know it. I mean, that's why I know things, but it's not classified. It may have been at one time, but, I mean, I just know stuff. But uh, anyway, that's why it's Janet. It wasn't some secret J-A-N-E-T or something on one of those shows. Uh, One of these guys (laughs) – these kids are so dumb, they don't do All their right research. They just, well, they they just are skimming to get a little bit of knowledge out there for these shows and then act like they don't know. And it's on our – the deep files were made public, but I was telling people this for nine years. Just do your research, you know, and people won't do it, Ken. It's not like, of course, I had to do it my whole life, you know, and, and I know you did, Richard, and Ken, you did, because we went to libraries, and then you'd go to the local newspapers, and you'd dig up the newspapers, and then I, I was a gum show, and so was Richard out in the field, so we know how to go and investigate and sit in cars and watch people and, you know, all that kind of stuff, but I was arson fraud segregation, too, but uh, I'm I'm totally avoiding your question. I noticed, Richard. You're going to have to ask me real different questions because I've got a lot of those individual stories that aren't quite qualified as top secret because nobody knew about them. 
So ask me a direct question at what age. But, you know, as a child, uh, there were those uh, come and go ETs that nobody could see, and then uh, the after I died, and then with the government, the extraterrestrial psychic abilities, and then when I, went, I flew to Grumman uh, where Ken was, or Ken went up there, and uh, but uh, I saw that some people couldn't remember like Ken. Now, when I went to Las Vegas uh, where the Janet Airlines was, and they got me off a plane once, and I was trying to – this guy, there were uh, – the whole bunch of people were trying to get me because I got on Janet Airlines, and uh, it was a real big scandal. Somebody got me out of it, but I don't know who. It was a really big deal in the airport. It was a big scandal. So uh, I guess security, but all of the, I don't know who it was. But some people that were wearing white robes and buns on their head, I remember them, but uh, this black guy, and I, don't, I hate to say of color, but that's how I remember him. So, are we allowed to say black Afro-American on radio? I don't. People say black or people of color now, but it was a. Uh, I've always had people that were of color in my life. You know, black people. You know, uh, Afro-Americans. I don't know what the political term is these days, but uh, regarding Richard. The Las Vegas scandal was over uh, the buses or Janet Airline or people recognizing me coming and going in Las Vegas. But then uh, the thing with Dr. Richard Allen Miller and him and I with Krell was talking in a room with ESP. But what they did, they would take me and use my brain because the ETs like me. I guess they they uh, recruited me for that. I always were, you know, because I was a child, I believed in them, and I really believe you have to be a, uh, acknowledge life and death and not be fearful of people that don't look like us, and uh, they groom you for that, or either you die, I think me dying uh, two or three times and coming back is a big part of what they, uh, why they used me, I don't know, at eight sixteen, and let's see, the next time was when I died with Gigi. And I came back. I always lose my blood. I lost all my blood then, and my stepfather had to give me blood. But then how did I make it to Vegas? Okay, I'd already gone. They recruited me again in uniform. I was recruited in 67. I was taken to work on the Roswell case with Jesse Marcel Sr. and Stanton T. Friedman. And so the Navy got me and took me to Balboa Hospital, checked me in there, gave me an HM3, as Thurman, HM3, then uh, I went up to China Lake, all up and down the coast in California, doing ESP stuff, California. And the ETs wouldn't let me. They'd fly over us and stuff and follow us, uh, but they wouldn't let us take their pictures. I tried. They wouldn't let me. So I was used in a capacity like Richard Allen Miller training people and then working uh, Marine SEAL teams like he did. You train to recruit people coming in that have abilities. Project Pegasus, which Ken and Andrew Bashago talk about because they were involved in that. But what happens is uh, they will take you and use you and return you back. Now, another part of it I don't understand, Richard, is uh, – some people at the casino, because I was playing with Red Fox poker, and he liked me. And I was like, how do I know Red Fox? And Red, he just laughed. 
So there was important people involved with extraterrestrials, including Red Fox and the casinos, but they would have the men in black take me and put me at a casino, and I would do uh, poker, uh, run up a lot of money, and they'd sit me down, and I could do it with my mind, and they would show people. You know how you could 12, 24, 36, 72, 135, and you just run it all up. And then they'd start switching uh, casino people. Uh, when I'd get to the $500 or $1,000 chips, especially at Caesars or somewhere, they would uh, every they would every five minutes or ten minutes. I was making so much money, they were flipping out the dealers to see if that would mess my brain up. So it was like when you're a golfer and you're in a zone. You know what the zone is? That's, so apparently, I don't know who was testing me, but they it had to do with extraterrestrial, your mind, and how we work for the government in and out. But I don't know who actually the government contract because the intelligence community changed. Everything changed over 50 years. So we went from uh, Yvonne McCutcheon's ACIR NASA to, let's see, ACIR. Then the men in black came and talked to me when I was with ACIR, Arson Fraud Subject. I hadn't gone out of country yet. Then they put me out of country. Then they brought me in country. And uh, then the Reagan thing happened. And then... uh, they wanted me to see what they could do, so they showed me the Reagan thing, and then the Reagan thing happened. Then Tom, my husband, uh, worked for Reagan, and uh, we both got together, but we repelled each other. Uh, something about, like me and uh, Ken, you know how me and Andy, me and you and him were together, but Andy wouldn't be in the same room with you and me? You don't remember yeah, that? I do. Oh, you do? Yeah, it's come back because you didn't remember it for a long time. So that's coming back to you? Yes, it is. And uh, that was that. Uh, oh, yeah, the winner we were having there. And now, see, uh, Richard, I don't know who does the – where your brain won't remember because they say you, you don't have memory in your mind and your or in your brain. So it's all out in the universe and around you. And then we have this aura six feet around us, right? And so, it's you know what I'm talking about, Richard. It's like reading the Akashic field. I know that the government uses a serum. Okay, there's a serum that the government uses that will actually block receptors in the mind that allows you to mem- to have memory. Okay, I do know that for a fact. So the government has a serum that can erase memory. Um, now, as far as ETs are concerned, uh, I'm not sure if they're using an energy device for exactly what, but they too have the ability to erase memory per se. But uh, let me let me just kind of in, encapsulate what you've shared with us, if I may. Um, so sure. basically your experiences have been where you've had direct contact as a child, um, where you were basically being teleported, similar to experiences that Ken and I have both had, uh, where you're kind of teleported mentally while your body is at rest you're up somewhere else on a ship or else in a, in a different civilization on a planet somewhere else, and you're interacting with these other beings. And then, of course, 
naturally you you find yourself back in bed and sometimes you remember what's happened and sometimes you only have vague memory of what's happened. Now, other than that, uh, there was an incident, of course, where you did in fact see a UFO. I'm not sure how far away you were because you were mentioning that about white sands. And then in turn, um, you would have to say that there's been a constant contact for many, many years throughout your life between what you're describing as men in black, which I'm going to presume were agents of the government who basically were nondescript and you didn't know who they were working for or who they were working with or anything else because they gave you no description of any kind. Rather, in turn, they utilized your abilities by bringing you into specific situations at particular locations. And then in turn, there may have been some kind of ET influence as well that was involved because your abilities were enhanced at specific places for specific reasons um, because you keep referring to the men in black. Now, of course, from my perspective, the men in black, there are actually two um, descriptions of them, I guess you could say, one of them being government and those being actually ETs that are, again, appearing to be dressed very dark and they come into situations sometimes that are drastic, such as a life, a life about to be lost or sometimes an accident about to be happening or these kind of things, and they interact and they modify things so that the, the, what's happened is more or less undone. Then there were also instances where you were actually teleported from one place to another, and yet at the same time, while this teleportation happened with whatever you were doing where it was that you were teleported, you in turn were teleported back to where you had been. So it was like, uh, you see, that's, that's another thing that they utilize is the area that we question ourselves because we have to question, well, was that really real and did that actually happen or did I only experience it in my mind and it's not really physically real at all because there's no lost time. Yeah, and, yeah, and you, yeah that's the significant thing. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you're on the right track. No, that's why I think you need to write the book and listen back to this recording for Ken and I. And you just write it. If you want to call yourself okay. a ghostwriter or the editor or the third person or Ken, you don't care, do you? But he, you and I need his help. So does Andrew Bashago. But Andrew would have to give it up because, see, it, uh, I don't mind working with Andy, but Andy uh, repelled like my husband. It took me five years to work to get with Tom. And I don't. I don't have five years, and Andy met me 2017 and hadn't had anything to do with me since because I showed him my Pegasus, and he knew I worked his Pegasus, right? He had a Pegasus. Just so you know, Richard, that's why I need your help to write this book with Ken sure. because he won't – he likes – he likes who doesn't like Andy Bashago? God, the whole world loves Andy. But Andy was trying to tell – what was going on with him and his dad, and he made it on television, just so you know, on right. uh, that guy in Minnesota that ran for governor, but I can't remember. I think he was some kind of wrestler 
and a Marine or something or a Navy something. Ken, what was that guy's name in Minnesota? I'm a total blank, sorry. Yeah, me too. Well, anyway, Richard, we've forgotten more than we can remember, but I think we can give you enough to write a decent first book so we can put some money into our nonprofit or at least uh, get the maybe show you, going. You know. Maybe all mm-hmm. three of us can get together with, with um, uh, Andy and, and uh, Richard and you and myself, or all four of us, or one, two, three, four, yeah, four of us. And uh, that way we just knock it out real quick and just, you know, Record, record what we're all saying, and then have it all teletyped up, and then massage it a little bit, and you've got a whole story right there. Yeah, let's. Uh, if Andy, but you got to, you got to explain to Andy. It's not his fault. As brilliant as he is, he doesn't understand how his dad working for the was a contractor for the government. We'll just say, and. I worked, and when you and I both were grumming and we were getting along really good, and I gave you my skull and bones ring to remember you, and you don't even know remember what you did with that, right? Nope. <laughs> but no. But you got it, I think, in your jewelry box. But uh, oh, anyway. Go ahead. Uh, Go ahead. I'll, I'll check and see. Well, uh, uh, Richard – Richard, write down yes. May 10th, 1967, and then write down when Ken and I met the second time, May 10th, 2017. Now, when he and I met, they brought Andy because Andy was running for president, and Lewis Reinhardt had come on my radio show. Whether he's a plant or a real musician, he's, he was a musician. And I was a musician, and uh, my first husband was a trumpet player with uh, lots of Doc Severin and Bob Hope and all these people like I was. But Lewis liked the musician part of me, but he didn't know anything about the UFO part, but he remembered my daughter. He came on this show, the one we're talking on, nine years ago, and he wanted to meet Andrew Bashago, and I was in Andrew Bashago's Project Pegasus on Facebook, Okay. So he asked okay. if I could get him to meet Andrew Bashago. So that's how Lewis on my show and Andy came on my show. And Andy was on two or three times uh, on this show and, our, you know, this radio station, or TJ Marr he was on Revolution Radio, and we've lost him. So uh, he'll have to start all over. Oh, I'm sorry, or you could use those. But uh, – I can go back and see if Andrew's on one of these, but I think he was on a team with me, Janet, Karen, Patrick, and Brad that helped Ken come through because I wanted Ken to have a book on the radio show, and I was going through, you know, everybody needs a book. So they helped him get his book done, but we could never get Andy to complete his book. He was busy and moved from Washington to California to over to North Carolina or South Carolina, and then back. He went out to stay at Janet's in Hawaii, and he, and then from Hawaii, I think he went back up to Washington, and that's when I mediated between him and Andrew Bush, Alfred Lambert Mount Weber. And then he came back. But then keep it in mind that Ken and I, with Andy, all met in person May 10th, 2017, for a reason. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know what that reason was, 
But Ken told me it was to write a book because he had talked to uh, the same guy that Janet talked to. And Bill, the government, when I went to Dayton, they had me drop a load and said it was very important that I get to Dayton, Ohio, and meet Bill. And so I had to go on base and take – it was all airport parts, and I guess I dropped off some airport parts. But it it was ridiculous. I I had a meeting with Bill in a hangar, and it was that Bill Tompkins, right, Uh, Ken, the one that had all the – he had the map of all the stuff we were doing. You remember who I'm talking about, Ken? I remember the name Bill Tompkins. Yes, but not oh, you remember? The, but you you met him, I thought, at Desert Contact in the Desert. Ah, uh, well, was, the, the name or was it Las Vegas Mufon? No, it was Bill, Bill Tompkins. Uh, Yep. You brought me his book. You had you brought the book. You told me you were going to bring the book, and you did. And you sat down with me, and you split it open in the middle. And I don't remember after that. It's like I have a blank. Do you remember what you were telling me? Not a word. Not a word. I'm sorry. Because I mean, I've I've been brainwashed if you want to. Uh, where I've had a erase brain erasure. Yeah, they were. A lot of the things that I've had. You think that, Andy will? You think that, Andy will remember? What is it about the William yeah. Tompkins book, Me, You, NASA, and Andy and Project Pegasus? And I think Richard, write it down. It had something to do with time, space, gravity, and yeah. it was you picked him or something because Bob Lazar was working on it. And uh-huh. William Tompkins and I and Tom, we were all working on the same project. And it had to do with space-time, gravity, dark matter, space, and you, uh, cosmology, you know, and uh, Story Musgrave didn't believe in any of this. But we had Story come on, and he went on Tommy's show. He talked to me. He was taking his jet back and forth from here in Florida over to uh, California, over there to at, uh, at, what was it, hey, I forgot now. My brain won't work now. Well, anyway. Uh Uh-oh. That's contagious. Yeah. Richard, you've got enough to get this book started, but you've got to use May 10th for 50 years from NASA till 20, we met, and then you can write the next book, after me and Ken and Andy discussed up to that day when we meet. And we have the ACO meeting that you're now the director. Or, no, you're the president of. Well, no, you're a director too. So the three of us are directors. You just happen to wear the hat for the club. Uh, Ken, that's the club of people that don't have any money or, or whatever. They just know know us on the YouTube. Are you talking Ken? about me? Yeah, you. Me, you, and uh, Richard, uh, well, it was like when we met with Andy. Nobody was making any money, but we were trying to do a fellowship. And so you put in the book, this is the beginning of ACO, and you took the secretary of the minutes of the meeting, and I've got a copy of them. Yeah, Yeah, you got a copy, and I've got a copy. No, you have the copy. You had the only copy. I, I didn't keep it. I gave it to you. 
out as we were getting I've to the got car. Oh, wait, you gave me the – I've got the originals? Yeah. Well, then I wrote the – emailed it, you a copy, right? Well, everything that you I wrote and I both down, had a, everything that I wrote down and kept the notes, kept notes of that meeting, I gave them all to you as before as we left. If you can remember that, then you have selective memory because for a long time you can remember nothing. So oh, something's yeah. going on with you and me because I have brain fog too. So, Richard, whatever Ken and I did. It affected me, him, and Ken, and it has to do with time, space, gravity, and the aliens wouldn't give us that other metal because it was off-planet. I remember that. And Bill Tompkins was writing that story, and he must have put it in the book because Ken, me, and Andy went blank again, and we all haven't even been back together since. That's true. So <laughs> what's going on? It sounds like to me that, that we're we're being kept muted by not being able to be together. This fact of, of being Well, uh, they had that one they had two people involved on the Project Pegasus with the Navy that were saying it wasn't true so they could do misinformation, disinformation and information. And then uh, Robert Mellot, M-E-L-L-O-T, was one of the scientists, and he was black. And I think Andy repelled him. I think he was scared of Andy, but he wasn't scared of me. And that Neil deGrasse was just for, you know, how they do the front people, like the presidents of the United States are just the front people, you know, like the PR anyway, person. We're getting way well, off topic. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're going to be the president of this. Hopefully, people and, uh, listening in will follow along. People are listening in will follow along with us and find out how how we're getting from point A to point B to get more information than than we'll they'll have. Can, it, so. uh, how does how do uh, do you still have that Bill Tompkins book? Because he died. Janet told me he died. I'll have to go through my whole she library. She him in a wheelchair. You don't recall the name huh? of the book, do you? You don't recall the name of the book, do you? I don't remember. Bill Tompkins, I think his name was William Tompkins. But they told me to meet him. Well, I met him in SATCOM. I met him in San Diego in a hangar, and they had me meet him in Dayton, Ohio. But I thought he was down at NASA with us. He, I thought he told me. He was in NASA because he was flirting uh, with me because I was, you know, with the secretarial pool. You know what I'm saying? He was flirty kind of guy. But yeah. he, they wanted me to meet him again while I was driving a truck in Dayton, Ohio. But I don't know what the meeting was about. And they hurry up and acted like, okay, we're all here. And then we all dispersed. And I didn't know what the hell. I left there crazy i was like what the hell did we just do and what what went on and they told me don't worry about it just you know but there's some spooky stuff that went on that i don't understand you know the name of the book huh do you know the name of the book or was there a name of the book no you didn't tell me the name of the book i did what janet janet was pushing him around in a wheelchair or something 
And uh, he and her were talking uh, about me, you and Andy, and her, and the psychic abilities. And he told her she was a, like an old soul and stuff because she's a cute little blonde, and that was his way. But it was right before he died because he was working. They called me right after you, me, and Andy met, and I had to go into uh, a meeting at the Tampa Hospital and have a special uh, meeting with Bill Tompkins, Jan, uh, somebody else his wife or his secretary or somebody about that book uh right after you and i it was like may 17th may 20 june something but i had a meeting with uh his agent or his wife it was a woman and him and uh talking to me and a couple of men in the back it was on one of those uh it's a special boardroom at Tampa, at the Moffitt Temple Hospital, where they had those Nordics working. They they confirmed they were Nordics, you know, like Nordic, N-O-R-D-I-C people. Yeah. And they had Ginger, because she was extraterrestrial born and had uh, that uh, ET in her. She had one of those, uh, what do they call them, smart things, like in Houston, they were calling Houston at the uh, Rice or somewhere, those uh, she had smart entity in her, like a piece of, uh, like I do in my back. It looks like uh, it's thinking dots or something. It's electric. The attorney told me they don't know, but they were real spooked by it. So uh, they did cut my back open to look at it. And... Uh, it was real, real tiny, but it ran, and my daughter had one in her, and they tried to kill her and get rid of it, and they got rid of all – they called it uh, – somebody poisoned her after she came on the show and uh, told us about her UFO stuff. That Lewis Reinhardt and her had something. I better shut up now because I'm giving too much information, but I don't know what's going on. I would really like to know. I'm just as curious as everybody else. It'll make a good show. But I have no clue. Uh, I'm, me and Ken, uh, people don't like to work with us because we're brain fog. But if you're true, Richard, if Richard has the patience, Richard, I do remember when they gave me my polygraph, and I had been a corpsman at Balboa, and, you know, HM3. So they tried to show me. In 87, when they brought me through on a Thursday rehire day, it was probably May 11th by that time, on the third, because I came through on a Wednesday and a Thursday. And I was All right, rehired, so let's, but let's, after that, let's just interject. Right, not that I'm trying to cut you off. Mean. Not that I'm trying to cut you off, but I mean, you're, you're going into bits and pieces of the past, and the best we can do for the audience is to say, well, in the upcoming future, there's going to be a book. Yeah. Uh, and this okay. book will entail a bunch of interactions with, uh, you know, <laughs> ETs, <laughs> ETs, and Men in Black, and all these various sundry experiences and so forth. And uh, we'll keep you updated as far as you know how far the book has gotten or when it's when it's going to be produced in full. Um, and in the meantime, of course, I will have to have individual sessions. Uh, so that in turn I can begin to write this book. Um, 
So I guess they'd be kind of memory sessions, you could say, in a manner of speaking, um, where basically you you repeat it back properly when you. So if you can just type the way you talk, we'll be okay. And then you'll just have to dig the parts out. But Ken and I, it doesn't. We don't know what's gonna trigger the memory, do we, Ken? Well, hopefully it'll it'll you know come about or whatever. Um, Ken triggered me. I don't know what he said, but it triggered. We're already at the top of the second hour, just so you know. Are you there, Ken? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm still here. <clears throat> All right, we're get, did I scare you to spook you, Ken? Because I spooked your friend Andy. Are you spooked, Ken? What? I'm sorry, but as I told you, I'm, I'm, I've been listening all the way through. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay, so you, this this talk didn't bother you because it scares most people. The what? They can't what handle it. Oh. Apparently nothing. I don't think you're scared. All right. Well, just uh, I don't. You have that book that William Tompkins. He signed it for you and everything. He autographed it. I thought. You talking about for me? Didn't he autograph? Well, I'll, I I'll thought have he time. Did. <laughs> After we get through, I'll go through the whole library I've got here and stuff. I and, thought uh, you met him. You met David oh, Wilcock. Anyway, I met Tompkins. Anyway, go ahead. We're 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 sort of battling back and forth and. This is supposed to be communication with our guests that are listening to us, but perhaps they understand that that's what we have to do, what we have to do in order to, to make headway and make progress is, is to dig the information out of All each right, other. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll do this again, but I don't know because we know stuff, Ken, and there's pieces that need to be put together, and I'm not the one to do it because I'm involved. That's why Richard would be good to do this for us, and he'd be a good a moderator. All right, Ken. Well, you and I'll just try to meet. We'll come back Sunday, but let's talk spiritual. Uh, we always get, get off on this UFO stuff, and I think there's a reason for it, but maybe that's because it needs to be told or written. Okay. Well, well yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that the message tonight was basically one of allowing people or telling people to broaden their minds because, yes, first contact could, in fact, happen before the year is through. Um, and we're not, we're not on the inside, so we don't really know to what extent or how or where or when or anything of that nature, only the impression that this is going to come about. And, of course, uh, you know, the, the, the general theme is that it will be peaceful and that, of course, they will look similar to us as far as other beings are concerned. Um, so therefore, well, there won't be necessarily that. a big panic. This is what Ken I and I have listen. been talking talking about for about half an hour guys. or so. Yeah, yeah, I got the last twenty minutes or so, but no, that's why I wanted to tell you about the warning sign and uh, going on Area Fifty One, and then Ken and me and the Tompkins part. But I didn't know how to put it together, which is obvious. So Ken. We did make progress today because Ken and I were both brain fogged today, Richard, to be honest. So you did a good job, Richard. So, <laughs> Ken, I think we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. I can't confirm or deny anything about the government, and you and I have been out of it so long it doesn't matter anyway. But Richard can tell some pieces, and then 
I was just saying that when I watch some of this stuff on TV, knowing the truth, it really, I'm like, what? You know, and so it's just hard to watch these kids putting together stuff that we lived through, Ken, is all. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's really hard to see them not put the history together on the History Channel, which I respect. But History Channel needs to get the people they're putting on their television shows. And Ken can, uh, Richard can start writing it, and then we'll present the truth. It probably won't be till we're dead, but hopefully before then. Hopefully before <laughs> then. All right. Well, Love and Life, can we come back Sunday then and do uh, – y'all want to do more Life After Life spiritual stuff on Sunday if you want yeah. to. They have a whole All lot right, more Ken, to talk about. Yeah. Well, Ken, uh, try to write down any notes when we talk. Keep a note pen, and I will do the same, and Richard will try to be the moderator and put the book together. Uh, Richard uh, – Good luck on your first book, getting that out in pieces, your chapters. I just do separate chapters. But start working on this one if you can because I think this is the one that needs to come out because I don't know that they're going to show up other than the way they do with people because that's the way they train people. It's all about teleological and growing individually up to their levels that you go to other places in space if you qualify and work that way, and that's what most of the religions teach and taught in Jesus and Ascension. So it's all about the same story. It just depends on who's telling the story. Folks, remember, we're the authors of our own life story, and I apologize if uh, I listened for a long time, and then I just had to say something because Ken pushed my button, and I wanted to tell him before I forgot, and then I forgot by the time, you know. All right, well, love and light. We'll see you all Sunday, and hopefully it will be on the Divine Guided Cosmos, Ascension Cosmos Oracles, Nonprofit Sunday three o'clock with Ken, which is Ken Johnston, and he'll be Pastor Ken Sunday. Three Pastor Rick. Oh, oh, that's his time. That's five okay. o'clock. Your wait. What time is right. it? Your time is. Is that right? It's four yes. o'clock my time. I'm right. Three o'clock Ken's time. Four o'clock your time. Five o'clock mine. There you go. <laughs> There you go. We'll get it together, folks. Give it, you know, we're all uh, seniors, but we are volunteers. Love and light, guys. You did a good job. I apologize at the end, folks, but we're it's just we haven't done this and we're we're learning by real life lessons showing up. So if you keep showing up, Ken, we're gonna get a book written. <laughs> I hope. All right, yeah, like Richard on that. Okay. okay, love and light. People, you can go back and listen. Bye, everybody. See y'all Sunday. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Love and like. Go ahead, Ken Ken Johnston on Facebook. Mars1astronaut at gmail.com if you want to email him. If you heard anything you liked about him and Ken's moon, and he can send you a copy, or you can order it on Amazon. Richard's working on our book, but he is RT Knight. 35, right, Richard, at gmail.com? Yep. You, That's correct. If you got to get in touch with him today, he'll watch his RT Night 35. If you got something to add to the book, RT Night 35 at gmail. He's our literary uh, put-together guy, <laughs> editor. All right, and I am TJ Mars Agency at gmail. And, hey, we did a really good job because we didn't fade. Uh, Ken faded in and out, and we'll figure that out. It may be his phone. But, Ken, we'll work with you on that, okay? But you did a good job. 
weekend remembering. Thank you so much. Well, I enjoyed being part of the thank team. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. You did a good job. Thank you. Have a good night. Say the bluegrass trains are coming from Beaverdale down to Alabama. The bluegrass trains are coming. Bluegrass trains are coming. Long, long train running. It's a song. Lester Flat and Earl Scruggs, Ralph Stanley, Kevin Hugg, the bluegrass trains are coming. Oh